Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock Him Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, post-game edition. Uh, eh, Tigers lose. Did you know that was going to happen this year? Did you know the Tigers could possibly lose this year? They could. They did. Um, it was a close game. It was a close game. It was a good game. I was actually looking for excuses to turn it off and do something else, and Missouri just kept bringing me back to it. Uh, but they eventually falter 35-28 to when the last drive fizzled out uh, uh, off the hands of Dominic Lovett. So... Here we are, sitting 1-1 one one overall, 0-1 in the conference uh, against a team that was clearly much, much better than Missouri. And yet there we were, within one score towards the end of the game. BK, uh, how do you feel about this game? So it's interesting because if I was to give my top-line takeaway from Mizzou losing, like just forget everything that happened within the game. But if you told me beforehand, hey, look, Mizzou loses 35-28, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like that. I don't know how they got there. I don't know what the game looked like in and of itself. And every game has a story to be told. But mm. if you just straight up said beforehand, Mizzou loses 35, 28, I would have been like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Given the talent on both of these teams, given where they're at right now and their their life cycle as a program, that's about right. Now, when I see that Kentucky ran for 340 <laughs> yards on the ground <laughs> And they had one player contribute an average of like 22 yards per touch. Um, their quarterback made some just massive throws over the course of the game. The Tigers offensive and defensive lines looked as bad, if not worse than they did a week ago. Like when you actually get down into the nitty gritty of what took place within the game, totally understand why if you're a Missouri fan right now, you're saying to yourself, man, that sucked. I get it. But the result is the result, and I think there's a lot to be said for the way that Mizzou played in that game, and we'll get into all of that over the course of the day, but if I just had to give a headline, Mizzou kind of did what I expected them to do in that game, even though they went about it in a little different way. Yeah, I mean, we, we going into this season, we thought that Kentucky or Missouri would be the third best team in the East, and, and maybe they even could be the second best team. Florida's been kind of odd uh, over their two games so maybe yeah maybe it could be the second best team and, and then georgia is just way far ahead of everybody so like this is not you know kentucky is a peer program historically yes um from, from a ceiling standpoint a floor standpoint yeah absolutely it's it's a it's a basketball program who's got its stuff together on football and is has been really good at being that median program you know that's the litmus test if you lose to them you're not you're not a very good team uh if you if you beat them then you are a pretty good team that's that's the test missouri's not a good team <laughs> I, I know we brought in some great impact transfers i know we got some great um impact freshmen they're still freshmen um there's a lot of issues with the with the starters on this team and they are odom recruits and they are two-star guys who are trying to be developed and they're seniors and it's not working and yes, I'm talking about the defensive line. <laughs> Let's start there. Defensive line is not good. Flat out. Uh, I know you and I were texting last night, BK. You know, I pointed out, I was like, it kind of seems like they're just figuring out where Trajan Jeffcoat's lining up and going the other way. And you you, you said that's, you agreed. Like it, it, and that was just true for the rest of the game. And, and so if you have one good defensive end, he typically gets taken out of the play, either via you know reading him or just running away from him. And that's what Kentucky did all night. And then, yeah, there's a, you know, 18 pass plays that uh, Will Levis threw plus two sacks. Um, 
they didn't have to do much. Chris Rodriguez could just run through holes as, as much as he wanted because the interior of the defensive line had no pressure. And the other defensive end that we trotted out there, whether it was Isaiah McGuire or Chris Turner, basically offered nothing uh, as far as run defense. And, of course, our linebackers, whether it be Chad Bailey, who's uh, got some starting action, or, or, or Devin Nicholson or Blaze Aldridge, just don't know how to play the run. So it's it stinks. I'd like to point out, though, that we knew the defense was going to stink. That's why Ryan Walters left, because he knew he was going to get fired at the end of this year if he stuck around. Plus, he wasn't a Drinkwitz guy. So Steve Wilkes inherited a mess, and he is doing what he can. But this is all about a talent efficiency, and you really saw it on the lines last night. Yeah, they just didn't have it. And you mentioned the idea of like Kentucky getting to the line and basically saying, hey, where's Trajan Jeffco? Where's the number 18? Okay, he's on the left. Yeah, we're going to go to the right then. <laughs> like that's, that's what they did all night long. And when you have an issue of your defensive tackles disappearing, I, I don't know what happened. They, they went into the honey, I shrunk the kids thing and the laser hit them and now they're, they're tiny and they, they can't do anything along the interior. I don't understand it, but that's where we are. And Missouri's defensive tackles are just completely ineffective. There's nobody that has stepped up on the other side at defensive end from Trajan Jeffcoat. And then you get to the linebackers, and we mentioned this last week. Even though Blaze Aldrich had the big-time numbers, tackles for loss, and sacks, and all of the glitz and the glamour, that was like the, hey, look at my left hand, don't look at what's going on in my right hand. <laughs> there were issues there that showed up on film last week with Aldridge and Nicholson. It wasn't just Aldridge. It's all of the linebackers. And those showed up in a big way in this one. They over-pursued. They took bad angles. There were moments where they just they couldn't shed blocks. Missouri doesn't have a, an SEC caliber starting linebacker right now on the roster. They have one SEC caliber starting defensive end on the roster. They have maybe one. I'll count Makai Wingo as a half. We'll see on him. Um, a, a maybe starting caliber defensive tackle. And there's your front six right now. That's super concerning, man. And they've got some mm -hmm. playmakers on the back end. And that's kind of how they were able to get back into this thing is they just they force turnovers. I think if you're a Missouri fan, this is something that is both. It should inspire some confidence. And also it's maybe the worst thing to hear in some ways. If you're just focused on 2021, this is not a schematic issue. No, this is a personnel issue. Mm -hmm. And that's good in some ways, because that means you might still have some hope in Steve Wilkes. Like, I don't think he's the problem by any stretch right no, now. No, but it's also frustrating because that means, guys, I don't think this is going to get better this year. I mean, you'll play worse teams and so it'll look better. But the talent gap is not changing over the course of the season. The guys that you have are the guys that you have. And there's not a whole yeah. lot of dudes that are coming in to change that, at least in the here and now. So in the future, you hope that some of these defensive ends that they recruited last year and some of the linebackers that have been recruited over the last two years, they'll be able to come in and help. But for the here and now, man, this is what you got. And it's going to look ugly at times this year when you go up against quality opponents. That's, that's the thing. I, that's why I was so confused about the um, some of the confidence displayed about the Kentucky game. Um, Kentucky has out recruited us for the past five years and like Drinkwitz is working to close that gap. But that means until that, that talent that we got this past year gets older, you know, the guys who are getting trotted out there on the field are going to be at an athletic disadvantage. 
Now, we still have Vanderbilt on the schedule. There's still North Texas on the schedule. SEMO's on the schedule, right? South Carolina is on the schedule. Like, we're not saying, like, yeah, like you said, like, these guys are going to suck every game. But when you're going up against a line like Kentucky's, and really even Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee recruits really well. They're not super good, but the athleticism is there. Like, when you go up against quality like that, you don't you don't expect to win. <laughs> like That's just... That's not how it works. I mean, you might get a couple wins. I'm talking like in-game wins, um, play to play or you know drive to drive, and and credit to Drinkwitz, he's been able to to scheme around that. He knew, hey, guess what? We're not going to be opening holes at all. We're doing tight end passing game. We're getting Beatty involved in the passing game. We're just we're going to hit these these quick passes, which is what I called for in the preview, and just like keep the pass rush at bay, and then run when they're starting to kind of keep get on their heels there. Like Drinkwitz is smart enough to scheme around the weaknesses, but just because you're scheming around the weaknesses doesn't mean it's always going to work. And especially when you have to go on long drives, 10, 11, 12 play drives, something can go wrong. So until you get that talent that he has recruited on the field. This is how it's going to be when you go up against programs like this. Um, yeah, Mikai Wingo still looks good. I, God, I wish Kyron Montgomery could be out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I wish. Uh, I don't know. From the linebacker standpoint, there really is nobody. There is nobody on there that that can fill in the spot. So it's going to be Blaze and it's going to be Devin. And wow, that's only two guys on the defense, but they are just a liability against the run. Um, Central Michigan, when they were running the ball. I, t- I talked about this in, in Beyond the Box Score. They ran the ball at a 48% success rate. So basically every other run was getting you know the yardage needed to keep ahead of the chains. Kentucky's rushing success rate was 57.8%. 57%. Almost 58%. Um, when Chris Rodriguez ran the ball, which he did a lot, he ran for 7.6 yards per carry, yes, but he had a 63% success rate on his own. He got four yards 63% of the time as well. And when he got past that fourth yard, he ran six and a half yards on average. I mean, what what are you going to do? <laughs> you, you need someone to step up to stop that, and there was no one there to stop it. The linebackers were out of position because the defensive line couldn't make a play. So this is what's going to happen when you play a team like this. You know, Georgia, okay, that's this is what they like to do, especially if JT Daniels is gone. Florida? They're going to do a lot of this too. I don't think Boston College will as much, nor North Texas or really anybody else. So Arkansas, though. Arkansas, you saw what they did against Texas. Good God. Yep. Good God. Like That looked like a potential 50-50 game. I, no. I have no idea if Texas is good right now. I, I don't know what to make of Arkansas, but based on the performance that we saw this weekend, uh, that's no longer a 50-50 game. Arkansas no. looks significantly better. I will point this out, though. The secondary is not bad. It looks bad at times, especially mm-hmm. when you insist on starting Ish Burdine over Caleb Evans. What are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of a single reason why other than we don't want to lose him to the transfer portal. I mean, you, at the end of the game, Burdine finished with like 13 snaps and he was clearly like he was like the fourth corner on the depth chart at the end of the game. But he started the game and he was in there for, I think, the entire first series and then basically barely saw the field the rest of the game. I just don't understand it, man. It doesn't make sense to me. A Caleb Evans is clearly the best cornerback on this roster. And 
I think Ennis Rakestraw is good. I haven't seen a lot to suggest that he is actually good, but yeah. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, Allie Green has shown in the past that he's been good. I haven't seen a ton of it this year, but I've seen in the past that he's been a successful cornerback, even against Power 5 teams. So I want to see more of those guys. Last week, I gave a ton of credit to Chris Abram-Strain because he was awesome this week, less so. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But they do. They, they've got options at the back end. It, it's not perfect, but they've got real options. And that's just a corner at safety. They've got some dudes. Dude. Yeah. Jalen Carlis uh, is Josh Bledsoe, Will Franklin incarnate so far. Um, when he was out for the first half against Central Michigan, they felt it. I don't know disrespect to Jelani Williams, but like. Carlos is good enough to cover up the issues at linebacker and, and defensive line, or at least mitigate the the, the pain. Um, but he got the interception and he forced the fumble. Mm-hmm. Like two of the biggest plays of the game that kept Missouri in the game were him. And yeah, I know Abrams Drain wasn't super good. He's not really much of a run stopping corner. That's not really his bag. And I know he got burned on the one uh, Wandale Robinson catch. Otherwise, like. You put Cat out there for pass coverage. You need someone else in there to stop the run, and Kentucky ran it a lot, so it didn't look super good. But I know uh, Chris Abrams Drain didn't have the greatest game, but I, I'm not I'm not concerned about his pass defense, which is what you're really looking for him to do. He had a couple of moments where it didn't look great, but in, in general, like that's going to happen against a lot of teams that Kentucky plays this year because. Wandale Robinson is awesome <laughs> and, yeah. and he's just going to beat a lot of dudes. He ended up, he finished that game. Like I said earlier with more than 20 yards per touch. Mizzou needs that guy. Like that, that's what Missouri's missing offensively right now. He's, he's a playmaker that he erases mistakes offensively. Mm-hmm. You're in a bad play. Your quarterback needs an outlet. You throw it to him for five yards and he gets you 20 on the ground kind of what we thought Mookie Cooper might be. I don't mm-hmm. think Mookie's healthy right now. I no. think that, that's becoming yeah. increasingly clear as we watch more. We thought there was a chance that Dominic Lovett could be that guy. I, I told you whenever he committed, I didn't think he was ready. I, I thought he was going to be a good player. He's got all the talent in the world, but his high school film was basically him running go routes. Yeah. And that just doesn't work in the SEC. It doesn't work against this level. Teams are going to figure that out and they're going to say, okay, yeah, I'm just not going to let you beat me deep. And so far, that's kind of all he's doing. He's just running like slants and goes and drags and that that's not enough. You're going to need to expand your your route tree to be able to succeed. So anyways, long version short, <laughs> as, as we're talking about Mizzou's past defense, I also kind of wanted to bring up their past catchers. They just don't have a lot of playmakers right now offensively still. And yeah. the tight end passing game worked in this game in particular, but Kiki Chisholm was really the only guy out there that was consistently making plays for Mizzou offensively other than Tyler Beatty. And we'll get to him, but mm-hmm. it was really just Kiki Chisholm that I trusted to make plays. Yeah. I mean, Towski dove found a couple holes in the zone here and there. And by the way, Kiki only made one. Like it was, it was just, it was the big play that he made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he kind of boxed out the guy and drew mm-hmm. pass interference. And yeah, that was great. Um, But yeah, he's not, he's not, he also had the big drop. Right on yep. third down, you know, and it's like, okay. So, it, I mean, yeah, the receiving core, guess what? Didn't magically get better just because we added Mookie Cooper and Dominic Lovett. You know, Mookie hasn't played in two years, and of course now he's injured, and then Dominic Lovett is a freshman. You can't expect much out of him. 
it's it's a build right this goes back to the overall theme you talked about in your piece today i think you and i have talked about it before this is a process this is a very long process you don't just to skip get to skip steps four five and six and beat kentucky who has their program installed their culture installed this is what we're going to do they have they have it rolling you don't just beat that team you know 10, 10, 10 times out of 10 just because you have an m on your helmet and they have a k okay so this this takes a while there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of talent. It's just got to get there. And then so the receiving core certainly isn't there. Towski Dove, the zone busting kind of guy. Kiki Chisholm, big play here and there. Dominic Lovett needs to develop. I was surprised Barrett Bannister really wasn't on the field until the last drive. And like, that's your first down maker. If you started trying him out, put him out there more, I, I wouldn't be mad. Would you? I'm fine with it. I mean, why not? Right. It, it, at this point, it's just about finding guys that can go out there and make plays. And there was a moment last year where it, it became, okay, Nico, hey, he catches the football. Let's get him mm-hmm. on the field. Towski Dove, he catches the football. Okay, throw him out there. And then you would have Barrett Bannister out there in the slot, and it wasn't super dynamic. Nobody's going to be terrified, and their corners aren't going to start running backwards at the snap of the <laughs> ball because they're scared of beating or getting beat deep. But sometimes it's okay to just have dudes that are out there that block their asses off, that end up catching the football when it's thrown to them, and they bump that success rate that you talk so much about. On first and 10, get five yards. On third and six, get five yards. On third and three, catch that four-yard in-breaking route and drop down in front of the the down markers. So that way you can live to fight another set of downs. Mm-hmm. Right now, Missouri hasn't been doing that consistently. There are moments when they do. There are drives when it looks great. And then the next drive, they get out there and it's a drop and a route that was cut a little bit short and a pretty well thrown ball that would have required a good play by the receiver that doesn't quite get made. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you're off the field and we're talking about a punt to the uh, the opponent. And that's where we are right now. I thought Connor Bazelak played pretty well. I didn't think it was perfect, but I thought he played pretty well, all things considered. And he did some things on the ground that I loved to see. Yeah. That is... That is something that he needs to be able to do for this team to reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. But the offense was just, it was, it was solid. It was okay. It was kind of what I expected it to be. They weren't really the problem in that game so much as the defense was. No, they were not. Now the problem is, is just a lack of depth. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly in the receivers, definitely in the running backs. I mean, God, Elijah Young's usage rate was not good. Once again, very, very low. Um, but again, you were down 14 basically from the jump. And yeah, you can mess around and get some younger guys in there to, you know, try and make plays and get some experience and all that stuff. But you're also trying to play to win, especially when you're only, you know, second game of the year and against a, a, a division foe, you aren't trying to win the game. And, you know, if, if Eli Drinkwitz thinks these guys that he's trying out are the ones that are going to give him the best chance to win football games, then those are the guys that are going to see the field. That's fine. I'm not opposed to that. You just, you're starting to see, you know, all right, well, we're not, again, reiteration, we're not there yet. Uh, and there's just not a lot of options. Uh, the tight end passing game is there for defenses that are overlooking it. Tyler Beatty can be used in any way that you want. Uh, <laughs> running the ball, pat, catching the ball. Uh, did you see, he is going to be the only Missouri Tiger, knock wood, things stay healthy, to have over a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards passing in a career. Did you see that? Yeah. Which is, which is kind of wild because I would have assumed that there had to be somebody, but you think about it, it it makes some sense. I mean, it's hard to do that. It's hard to be such a dual threat 
um, at this level. There's not a lot of running backs that can do what Tyler Beatty does, and that's what makes him so unique, and it's also what's going to make him so intriguing to NFL teams next year. Mm-hmm. Man, this dude is making himself a lot of money right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he is... This is what a third-round NFL draft pick at the running back position looks like, or a second-round NFL draft pick at the running back position looks like. Um, so far this year, he leads all of college football with 392 yards from scrimmage. He's the first Missouri player in at least the last two decades to have at least 100 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the first two games of the season. I mean, what we're watching is quite literally unprecedented by Missouri running backs, by Missouri anything. And we mentioned all offseason, hey, the comp for him is probably Naheem Hines Mm -hmm. because Naheem Hines was the running back at NC State that Eli Drinkwitz had that went from pass catching, jack of all trades type of a running back to in his junior season, Oh, this dude's a bell cow now. Okay, cool. That's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And Hines had 1,250 yards from scrimmage in his junior year. He had 1,100 yards from scrimmage that year in the running game. He basically <laughs> gave up all responsibilities in the passing game when he became a bell cow. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of what's happening right <laughs> now with Beatty. Beatty's on pace for 1,600 rushing yards and 750 receiving yards right now. <laughs> He's not going to get there. Like that's not going to sustain itself over sure? the course of a full season. There's no other option outside of no other reliable option. I should say outside of Beatty. I mean, this is like, you have to be good. And then the circumstances have to fit. And it's like, yeah. he's the only guy we can really trust. So he's going to get all the touches. I Don't rule it out. That's all I'm saying. What do you think the ceiling? Let's, let's play this game for a second because okay. the game we've kind of broke it down a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was what it was. And we all know what it was. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the ceiling is for Tyler Beatty this year? The ceiling, the absolute ceiling. I want to mm-hmm. say 1,100 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, and... Total or 10 rushing touchdowns? 10 rushing touchdowns, sorry. Okay. Yeah, 10 rushing touchdowns. And then I will say 850 yards to the air Wow. and five touchdowns. I think... I'll take the under on the receiving yards, and I think... I would take the over on the rushing yards. Ooh, okay. Okay. I mean, combined? Okay, how about this? Combined, does he get over 2,000 yards this year? No. No. Okay. I think he ends up with around 1,500 in the 12-game season. I'm talking about regular sure. season. Okay, yeah. And, and, yeah. and assuming health, if we assume health and in the regular <laughs> season, I think he gets right around 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Which would be an unbelievable season, by the Absolutely way. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. I don't know. There's just no other option. And yeah, and you, you gotta, you're right. I mean, it's possible. The numbers that I just read, the 1,600 rushing yards and 750 receiving yards, that seems laughable. <laughs> until, until I heard you say that he's the only option, I was like, yeah, you're right. And in games <laughs> like Kentucky or when Missouri is playing against like Texas A&M or yeah. Florida or Arkansas. I mean, they're going to go to him a lot because they have yeah. to. He's their best chance to win. Mm-hmm. He is. And you don't want him to hit that because you don't want him to have to do that. Uh, you want someone to pop up. I. It would be incredible if he did that. That'd be awesome. Sad, but awesome. Like sad for the team. Awesome for him. Um, so I, I'm a little mixed on whether I want to see that or not. But point is, he he is the best player on this team by far. And I don't know what's going to happen now. Obviously, Connor Bazelak took a hit towards the end of the... Well, I guess he hit got hurt earlier in the game, and then it started acting up towards the end of the game. 
I don't know if he sees the field against Simo. You like to think you don't need him, but you also don't want to assume anything with with uh you know with the team that we're currently at. You know, you don't want to overlook anybody. You certainly can't afford to overlook anybody. So I don't know how oft, how much the the ones are going to play this week. Um, but you know, for Basilac's health, for Beatty's health long term, um, I would I would expect not a lot of usage for those guys. So maybe the you know the the rate that you're talking about we're not going to see. Um, but yeah, it was just you know, Tyler Beatty's awesome. Connor Basilac is good, and everyone else needs to uh, needs to max out as soon as possible, or else this could be a very long year. Next week's going to be fun to watch. Because Missouri has the type of skill players that will make that game fun to watch. And what I mean by that is when I said earlier, hey, yeah, there's only like two things that Dominic Lovett does well right now. Hey, you know what he does well that can really look awesome against a team like SEMO? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's running deep and scoring a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. A guy like Elijah Young, you know what's going to look really cool against Simo when he runs very fast off tackle and just <laughs> out sprints everybody to the edge. Uh, yeah. Connor Basilek, I know that the deep ball has kind of been a question mark for him. It's going to look real good against Simo. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Uh, Jalen Carlisle, he's going to have an awesome play defensively where he just yeah. knocks out a, a, or a receiver coming across the middle. I mean, they're. They're going to have some really exciting plays this week against SEMO. So if you're a Missouri fan that's a little down after the game on Saturday, I get it. I feel for you. I'm right there with you, man. That was a tough one to watch and a tough one to swallow at the end, given the way that they came back in it. Next week's going to get you back on your feet a little bit. VC is where things get really interesting because yeah. that could be another swing game. Well, that could be. That will be another swing game on Missouri's schedule. They struggled a little bit with UMass, which I wasn't anticipating. Mm -hmm. um, they, they gave up a little bit more defensively than I was expecting. Missouri versus Boston College is probably... Kentucky was an interesting measuring stick to see where they are on their life cycle. Boston College is an interesting measuring stick just for the here and now where Missouri's at as a team. Yeah. Also, just the style of play, you know, over the summer, mm -hmm. I was like, I was dreading BC because the one thing they did, which was throw the ball, is the one thing that Missouri wasn't very good at, or at least conceivably. Well, okay, that's not true anymore. Also, Phil Dracovic is injured, I guess. I don't, I mean, we're two weeks away, so who knows what it's going to be in that time frame. But like, if you're walking into a situation where the Eagles can only really throw it and they're down their awesome quarterback... I mean, I'd feel better about it, but also this is a Missouri team on the road, which you can never trust. Yeah. Um, so um, I I think I, I am feeling, oh, I'm going to say it out loud. Oh, my God. I'm feeling better about BC as time goes on. Let's see what happens this week for both teams before we get there. Um, but that is going to be a really interesting game. And because we lost Kentucky, it is in our best interest to win that. So you can at least get through the first, you know, first trimester of the season three and one and looking at a chance to win North Texas and then just get a handful of games in the SEC to get bowl eligible. And that's what we're looking for. Um, so yeah, that's, it's going to be big. Simo, I'm mostly, yeah, get right game for the ones. And then let's see how many backups we can get yep. and feel good and do some fun stuff and put it get on. Get this tape. one over early. This can't be Please. like Missouri state a few years ago Please. where, Mizzou ends up allowing Simo to stay in this one. I don't think Simo has the type of talent that uh, Mizzou had a really good receiver that year that just kind of shredded Mizzou. Simo's yeah. not that type of a team, but 
regardless of what their talent level is, just get it over early, man. Get put 21 <laughs> on the board in the first quarter, add mm-hmm. another 14 in the second, and just put it on ice from there. Just just yeah. get it over with. We should see a lot of Dawson Downing in this one. Uh let's see Har- BJ Harris in the second half at running Tyler back. Tyler Macon. Yeah. Tyler Macon. Uh, I I want to by the way, I I do think there was a tell in this game. Whenever Connor Bazelek went out, it was oh, yeah. not Tyler Macon coming into the game. It was Brady Cook getting ready to come into the game. So as much as it says on the depth chart, it's an or there or whatever. No, 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 no. Your number two quarterback right now is Brady Cook. And I I did find that to be a little interesting as they they had to make a decision there who they were going to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, it's it's so far gone that Macon does see the field. For sure. That'd be great. But we will will see. Um, But yeah. Hey, it's never fun to win a game. Or lose a game. Sorry, it's always fun to win a game. Never fun to lose it. Um, it doesn't matter. Like our, our the goals for this team are still on the table. All right, Kentucky is still a very good team. Will probably be the second best team in the East. Missouri is building to be that and then exceed it. Um, so road games are tough. Young teams are inconsistent. Offense did well. Defense is a work in progress. They'll figure it out this week, uh, and we will. Dive into it uh, later this week. We'll see what happens as, as we hear the, the coaches talk, the players talk about it, as we dive into the depth charts and what Simo's been doing and figure out how this game is going to play out. Uh, but BK, any final thoughts uh, before we leave for the Sunday recap show? Yeah, this is why recruiting is important. And I know a lot of Missouri <laughs> yeah. fans have grown frustrated by the whole like big picture talk, and I get it. But this is why when we talk about Missouri potentially getting Luther Burden, it's important is because when you look over at the other sideline and Kentucky has one of those dudes at receiver, you could have that next year. That could be the type of impact that Luther Burden is able to have right away. When you look over at that other team in Kentucky and you see their NFL caliber offensive tackles, that's why it's important that Missouri has added two, depending on how the rankings end up shaking out, maybe three four-star offensive linemen in next year's class. And why in 2023, when there's four of them, either in or near the state of Missouri, and you've got a shot with any of them, super important that they're able to get at least two of them in that class. So this is what the build looks like. It takes adding in that talent. And I think what we're watching right now is we're seeing the level of talent that Barry Odom was able to add to this team. It wasn't good enough, man. He, he, yeah. he took too many guys that were mid-grade at best. And what you end up getting is, and this is no disrespect to the man, it's just the reality, Chris Turner at defensive end taking a lot of snaps again for I think the 22nd straight year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when, when you have that kind of a player at defensive end who I think has one tackle on average per game in his Mizzou career, yep, it's just super limiting in what your overall ceiling is. And there's a reason why he's playing right now. It's because there's not a whole lot of guys that are better options. And that also plays into the the recruiting that they had previously. There's just very little depth on this team. They're trying to fix that right now. And it's going to take time. They'll get there. I believe in this coaching staff to get the requisite level of talent in. But those guys don't come in and play right away very often in the SEC. It takes a little bit of time for them to, to develop into the player you want them to be, and you don't want them to get completely sunk because they stunk in their first year on campus. Give it time. Mm-hmm. Allow this to marinate a little bit. Down the road, you'll be able to see at Mizzou what we just saw from Kentucky where you start taking off as a program. Yeah. 
I mean, God, Mark Stoops won two games, I think in his first two years or something like that. Look where he is now. A little bit of patience. Trust the process. You can get there too. So we will, uh, we'll come back to you this Wednesday. So uh, next episode dropping on Thursday. We'll talk about SEMO. We'll talk about everything else that's happened then. Uh, for now, lick your wounds, get over it. We got another game on the schedule. That's nice. It's nice that you get to try again. Uh, but that's going to be the show for today. And as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment. You can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and listen to BK on the radio in St. Louis, 101 ESPN, 10 to 3. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, I'm Isaac. Z-O-U.